Chapter Ten of the Chartres of Parma by Stendhal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Ten. Even as he moralized, Fabrizio sprang upon the high road from Lombardy to Switzerland which at this spot is quite four or five feet below the level of the forest if my man takes fright said our hero to himself he will start off at a gallop and i shall be left here looking a sorry fool by this time he was not more than ten paces from the servant who had stopped singing fabrizio read in his eyes that he was frightened perhaps he was going to turn his horses round without any conscious intention fabrizio made a bound and seized the near horse by the bridle my friend said he to the serving man i am not a common thief for i am going to begin by giving you twenty francs but i am obliged to borrow your horse i shall be killed if i do not clear out at once the four brothers riva those great hunters whom you doubtless know are on my heels they have just caught me in their sister's bedroom i jumped out of the window and here i am they have turned out into the forest with their hounds and their guns i had hidden myself in that big hollow chestnut tree because i saw one of them cross the road their hounds will soon be on my track i am going to get on your horse and gallop a league beyond como thence i shall go to milan to cast myself at the viceroy's feet if you consent with a good grace i'll leave your horse at the posting-house with two napoleons for yourself if you make the slightest difficulty i shall kill you with these pistols if when i am once off you set the gendarmes after me my cousin the brave count alari the emperor's equerry will see to your bones being broken for you fabrizio invented his speech as he delivered it which he did in the most gentle manner for the rest he said laughing my name is no secret i am the marchesino ascanio del dongo my home is close by at grianta now then he cried raising his voice let the horse go the stupefied servant said never a word fabrizio put up the pistol he had held in his left hand laid hold of the bridle which the man had dropped sprang on the horse and cantered off when he had ridden three hundred paces he perceived he had forgotten to give him the twenty francs he had promised he pulled up the road was still empty except for the servant who was galloping after him he waved him forward with his handkerchief and when he was within fifty paces threw a handful of silver coins upon the road and started off again looking back from a distance he saw the servant picking up the silver now that really is a sensible man said fabrizio laughing not a useless word did he say he rode rapidly southward halted at a lonely house and started forth again a few hours later by two o'clock in the morning he had reached the lago maggiore he soon saw his boat standing on and off he made the signal agreed on and she approached the shore he could find no peasant with whom he might leave the horse so he turned the noble creature loose and three hours later he was at belgirate once in a friendly country he took some repose he was full of joy for he had been thoroughly successful dare we mention the true cause of his delight his tree was growing splendidly and his soul had been refreshed by the deep emotion he had felt in father blanes's arms does he really believe said he to himself in all the predictions he has made to me or is it that as my brother has given me the reputation of a jacobin a man who knows neither truth nor law and capable of any crime 
he simply desired to induce me to resist the temptation of taking the life of some villain who may do me an evil turn the day after the next fabrizio was at parma where he vastly entertained the duchess and the count by relating with the greatest exactness as was his wont the whole story of his journey when fabrizio arrived he found the porter and all the servants at the palazzo san severina garbed in the deepest mourning whose loss do we mourn he inquired of the duchess that excellent man who was known as my husband has just died at baden he has left me the palace that was a settled thing but as a proof of his regard he has added a legacy of three hundred thousand francs and this places me in a serious difficulty i will not give it up for the benefit of his niece the marchesa raversi who plays me the vilest of tricks every day of her life you who understand art must really find me some good sculptor and i will put up a monument to the duke which shall cost three hundred thousand francs the count began to tell stories about the raversi in vain have i striven to soften her by kindness said the duchess as for the duke's nephews i have had them all made colonels or generals and in return never a month passes without their sending me some abominable anonymous letter i have been obliged to hire a secretary to read all my letters of that description and their anonymous letters are the least of all their sins continued count mosca they carry on a regular manufacture of vile accusations twenty times over i ought to have had the whole set brought before the courts and your excellency turning to fabrizio will guess whether my worthy judges would have condemned them or not well that's what spoils all the rest to me replied fabrizio with that artlessness that sounded so comical at court i would much rather see them sentenced by magistrates who would judge them according to their own consciences if you who travel to improve your mind would give me the addresses of a few such magistrates you would do me a real kindness i would write to them before i went to bed to-night if i were a minister this lack of upright judges would wound my vanity but it strikes me rejoined the count that your excellency who is so fond of the french and once upon a time even lent them the help of your invincible arm is forgetting one of their great maxims it is better to kill the devil than that the devil should kill you i should very much like to see how anybody could govern those eager beings who read the history of the french revolution all day long with judges who would acquit the persons i accused they would end by acquitting rascals whose guilt was perfectly evident and every man of them would think himself a brutus but i have a bone to pick with you does not your sensitive soul feel some remorse concerning that fine horse rather too lean which you have just turned loose on the shores of lac maggiore i certainly intend said fabrizio very gravely to send the owner of the horse whatever sum may be necessary to pay him the expenses of advertising and any others he may have incurred in recovering the beast from the peasants who must have found it i propose to read the milanese newspaper carefully so as to find any advertisement touching a strayed horse i am quite familiar with the appearance of this one he really is primitive said the count to the duchess and what would have become of your excellency he continued laughing if while you were galloping along on that horse's back he had happened to stumble you would have found yourself at the spielberg my dear young nephew and with all my credit i should barely have contrived to get some thirty pounds struck off the weight of the shackles on each of your legs in that delightful retreat you would have spent quite ten years your legs would possibly have swelled and mortified then they would have been neatly cut off for you 
ah for pity's sake don't carry the wretched story any further broke in the duchess with tears in her eyes he is back and safe and i am even more glad of it than you you may be sure of that responded the minister very gravely but pray since this boy was set on going into lombardy why did he not ask me to get him a passport in a fitting name the moment i heard of his arrest i should have hurried off to milan and my friends there would have been willing enough to close their eyes and pretend their police had taken up one of the princess parma's subjects the story of your trip is entertaining and amusing enough i am quite ready to admit that the count continued and his tone grew less gloomy your leap onto the high road decidedly enchants me but between ourselves since that serving man held your life in his hands you had a right to deprive him of his we propose to raise your excellency to a brilliant position at least such are the orders this lady gives me and i do not think my bitterest enemies can accuse me of ever having neglected her commands what a heartbreak it would have been to her if that lean horse of yours had happened to make a false step while you were riding a steeplechase upon his back it would almost have been better if he had broken your neck outright you are very tragic to-night dear friend said the duchess quite overcome because tragic events are happening all around us replied the count and he too was moved this is not france where everything ends with a song or a sentence of imprisonment and i really am wrong to laugh when i talk to you of such matters well nephew mine granting that i find a chance some day of making you a bishop for frankly i cannot begin with making you archbishop of parma as the duchess here would very reasonably have me do supposing you were settled in your bishopric and far from the sound of our wise counsels tell us what your policy would be i would kill the devil sooner than let him kill me as my friends the french so sensibly say answered fabrizio with shining eyes i would hold the position you gave me by every means even with my pistols i have read the story of our ancestor who built grianta in the del dongo genealogy toward the end of his life his good friend galeazzo duke of milan sent him to inspect a fortified castle on our lake there was some fear of a fresh invasion by the swiss i really must send a civil word to the commandant of the fortress said the duke just as he was dismissing him he wrote two lines and gave him the letter then he took it back it will be more courteous if i seal it said the prince vespasiano del dongo departed but as he was sailing over the lake he remembered an old greek story for he was a learned man he opened his good master's letter and found it was an order to the commandant of the fortress to put him to death the moment he arrived so absorbed had sforza been in his effort to make the deception he had been playing on our ancestor lifelike that he had left a considerable space between the last line of his note and his signature vespasiano del dongo inserted an order to recognize him as governor-general of all the late castles in the blank space and tore the upper part of the letter off when he had reached the fortress and his authority had been duly acknowledged he threw the commandant down a well declared war on sforza and after a few years exchanged his strong castle for the huge estates which have enriched every branch of our family and which will one day benefit me to the extent of four thousand francs a year you talk like an academician said the count laughingly you have told the story of a splendid prank but it is not once in ten years that the delightful opportunity for doing such startling things presents itself a man who may be stupid at times but is watchful and prudent always may often enjoy the pleasure of outwitting men of imagination 
it was a freak of the imagination that led napoleon to put himself into the hands of the prudent john bull instead of trying to escape to america john bull sat in his counting-house and laughed at the emperor's letter and his reference to themistocles the mean sancho panzas of the world will always triumph over the noble-hearted don quixots if you will consent not to do anything extraordinary i don't doubt you may be a highly respected if not a highly respectable bishop nevertheless i hold to my previous observation in this matter of the horse your excellency behaved very foolishly you have been within an ace of imprisonment for life fabrizio shuddered at the words he sat on plunged in a deep astonishment was that the imprisonment which threatens me he mused is that the crime i was not to commit father blanus's predictions the prophetic value of which he had despised began to assume all the importance of real omens in his eyes well cried the duchess quite surprised what is the matter with you the count has cast you into a very gloomy reverie the light of a new truth has fallen upon my mind and instead of rebelling against it i am adopting it it is quite true i have been very near a prison that never would have opened its doors again but the servant lad looked so handsome in his english livery it would have been a sin to kill him the count was delighted with his air of youthful wisdom he is satisfactory in every way he said looking at the duchess i must tell you my boy that you have made a conquest and perhaps the most desirable one you could possibly have made ha thought fabrizio now i shall hear some jest about little marietta he was mistaken the count went on your evangelic simplicity has won the heart of our venerable archbishop father landriani one of these days you will be made a grand vicar and the beauty of the joke is that the three present grand vicars all of them men of parts and hard working and two of them i believe grand vicars before you were born are about to send a fine letter to their archbishop begging you may take rank above them all these gentlemen base this request on your virtuous qualities in the first place and in the second on the fact that you are great-nephew to the famous archbishop ascanio del dongo when i heard of the respect your virtues had inspired i instantly promoted the senior grand vicar's nephew to a captaincy he had remained a lieutenant ever since he had served at the siege of tarragona under marshal suchet go at once just as you are in your travelling dress and pay an affectionate call on your archbishop exclaimed the duchess tell him all about your sister's marriage when he knows she is going to be a duchess he will think you more apostolic than ever of course you will forget everything the count has just confided to you about your approaching appointment fabrizio hurried off to the archiepiscopal palace his behaviour there was both modest and simple this was a tone he could assume only too easily for him the effort was when he had to play the nobleman while he was listening to monsignor landriani's somewhat lengthy dissertations he kept saying to himself ought i to have fired my pistol at the manservant who was leading the lean horse his reason replied in the affirmative but he could not reconcile his heart to the thought of that handsome young fellow dropping disfigured from the saddle that prison which would have swallowed me up if the horse had stumbled was it the prison with which so many omens threatened me the question was of sovereign importance to him and the archbishop was enchanted with his air of deep attention End of chapter 10